Please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever felt shy about asking for help? Have you ever wanted or needed help and not gotten the help you needed because you couldn't bring yourself to ask? I know I have. It can be really hard to ask for help. It feels uncomfortably vulnerable. There are all kinds of reasons for this. We might be afraid that asking for help makes us look weak or needy. We might be afraid of the loss of control that can go along with asking for help. We might be afraid of being indebted to the person who helps us, or on the flip side, of not being able to reciprocate, that the helping relationship will not be mutual, not even. We might be afraid of being let down, that after taking that risk of asking for help, someone will disappoint us. Bookstores have huge sections labeled self-help for the exact reason that we would rather help ourselves than need help from someone else. Some people even believe that the Bible says God helps those who help themselves, but that is nowhere in the Bible. One of the things I don't want help with is cooking. I prefer to cook alone because I want to do it the way I want to do it. I want to be the boss of cooking, and I don't particularly want to negotiate or compromise that. <laughs> there are lots of relatively silly examples like that, examples of ways that we would prefer the added effort of doing something without help over the compromises involved in collaborating or delegating. Lots of small examples. And sometimes there's somewhat more at stake. In the last weeks of my grandfather's life, I helped him more often with more things. He was fine with some kinds of help. He didn't mind at all having me run errands for him. But when it came to having me help him walk, he hated it. And when it came to help more personal than that, he really hated it. I wanted so badly to help him because that to me was a way I could show my love. But for him, it was pretty awful to have his limitations be visible, to have to admit that he needed help, and to have to accept help he di didn't want to need from his granddaughter, who he was used to thinking that he could help. It can be really hard to ask for help. The reasons why it is difficult to ask for help make a certain kind of sense. I'm guessing that most of us can relate to some piece of the struggle to admit the need for help or to ask for help, or to struggle to accept help. But what happens when we take this struggle and look at it in relation to God? Is my relationship with God like how I feel about cooking? If God helps me out, will I lose the freedom to do things the way I want? Will I have to negotiate or compromise that? Do I believe there's some loss of control that goes along with asking for help, including God's help? Am I reluctant to admit that I am weak or needy, relative to God even? Do I resist being indebted to God? Does it bother me to think that my relationship with God is not quite mutual, to remember that that's not an equal relationship? 
Or do I fear that God will disappoint me? These are all the same elements I just spoke about when talking about how hard it is to ask another person for help. The same dynamics are understandable, if problematic, in our relationships with other people, but they're more problematic when they intrude upon our relationship with God. God is God, and we are not. God is creator, and we are God's creatures. God is the one in whom we live and move and have our being. We do none of this apart from God. In so many ways, so much of the time, we are strong, resourceful, self-sufficient people, or we want to be. And I'm convinced that this image of how we should be does impact even our relationship with God. And yet scripture is full of images that express our dependence on God. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Do the branches exist apart from the vine? I am the bread of life, said Jesus. Can we exist without the nourishment that nourishes life? In the beginning was the word, says John's gospel, and without him, not one thing came into being. Both scripture and Christian theology are clear that we would not exist without God, And acknowledging God's centrality carries with it a claim upon those things we think of as ours. Time and energy and priorities and behaviors and resources. To use the language from a couple of weeks ago, there is some cost to Christian discipleship. And yet, much of the time it is not that hard to forget about relying on God. I think we continually fall back on our own independence independence even from God, at least in terms of the ways we experience ourselves in our lives. I've talked more than once about the membership vows in the United Methodist Church, and that the most difficult of all the vows may be the one where we commit ourselves to put our whole trust in God's grace. We often don't think about putting our whole trust in anything except our own resourcefulness. And yet, The very sacrament that initiates us into the Christian life asks us to promise to put our whole trust in God's grace above all else. We love our independence. In our society, there's a lot of judgment or criticism directed against those who are perceived as being dependent. But Jesus said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. These words come from Luke's gospel, and while there are similar sayings from Jesus in Matthew's gospel, each version has slightly different words, words that emphasize the meaning that is most important in the context of that gospel. For Luke, the very center of Jesus' mission in life was about bringing good news to the poor, also to the captives, the blind, the oppressed. It's like a list of people who would be unable to achieve this mythical American image of self-sufficiency. Luke does not talk about the poor in spirit, that's Matthew. Luke says, blessed are the poor. And yet, Jesus says these are the people God's spirit has anointed him to serve. 
These are the people God has sent Jesus to. And as Jesus' ministry continues on, we see a consistent theme of reversal. We discover that the values and hierarchies and roles and statuses in this world are not consistent with God's vision. It's worth understanding a little a bit about how the language of blessing is used here. Blessing here is a divine pronouncement. This means that the pronouncement makes something happen. Just as saying, I forgive you, makes an act of forgiveness happen, is itself an act of forgiveness. Jesus saying, you are blessed, is an act of blessing. The words make it so. Which means that this sense of God's favor upon those who are otherwise at a disadvantage is at work now and is not a promise of some far-off and otherworldly future. Jesus does not romanticize poverty or oppression. He does know that God's vision is of a world that runs counter to the culture of our world, and that those who benefit least from the norms and structures of our world are in a certain way equipped to follow in God's ways ways that inevitably mean running counter to social systems and conventional wisdom. The blessing upon those who have little is a challenge to those who benefit from the social systems. On the flip side, our scripture reading for this morning also contains statements of woe. Woe to you who are rich. The woes Jesus lists very much speak to the issues of self-sufficiency and control that are prominent in the experience of those who benefit from social structures and norms. But what does any of this have to do with stewardship? I believe that when we think we are self-sufficient, we see ourselves as being in charge. We see ourselves as owners, as managers, as bosses. We see our time and energy and skills and money as ours and ours alone. But when we see ourselves as fundamentally dependent on God, dependent on God for our lives, our very being, then we see ourselves as stewards, not as bosses. When we acknowledge the need to rely on God, we see everything we have as gifts which have been entrusted to us by God, this God who makes us who we are. And we see our role as stewards of those gifts. Perhaps drawing a parallel to our attitudes toward the environment can help illustrate the picture. A belief that the earth is property, that the earth's resources are simply ours to use as we will, leads to treating the earth in ways that do damage. On the other hand, a belief that the earth is God's good creation, entrusted to us not to own or use but to tend responsibly leads to treating the earth in ways that build sustainability. If we own the earth, we are free to use it up as we will. If we are stewards of an earth that belongs to God and to all beings, then we must care for it responsibly. Our whole lives are entrusted to us by God in much the same way the earth is. If we believe and acknowledge this, then we know we are not meant to be independent or self-sufficient. We are not ultimately autonomous. We're not islands. 
Instead, we are woven together in an intricate web of life with God as the master weaver. And in this web of life, we are called to recognize our reliance on God with real gratitude toward God. We are called to gratefully receive God's gifts, and we are called to share all these gifts with the understanding that we are called to contribute to the needs of the world. The arrogance of independence lends itself to a possessiveness and a selfishness where the humility of dependence on God leads to simple generosity. We are trained and well-trained in this culture to resist needing help. But our faith calls us to deeply recognize our dependence and interdependence. Our faith calls us even to embrace our need as a reminder to trust God and to offer all that we have and all that we are to this intricate web of life. May we find wholeness and balance in our dependence upon God. Amen.